0: Hi everyone, welcome back to The Ovum, where we share stories from women to women. We are so happy you're joining the conversation with us today as we share the inspiring journeys of various Zimbabwean and African women all around the world. Our hope is that through this platform, you too will draw some inspiration from the women who come onto our podcast and share their stories. Today with me, I have a lovely lady, a beautiful lawyer by profession, a recent author, an entrepreneur, wife and mother. She is the owner of Pelisa Creatives, an advocate for multicultural language, development in children, and recently released her new book, My First Book of Shona and Debele Words. Hi Yevé, yeah, welcome to the Ovum. Hey,
1: Karen, thank you for having me. I am so
0: excited. We're so excited to have you. And like, we're so 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 like grateful that you agreed to come. I know your schedule's super, super busy. So it means a lot to us that you're here today to share your story with many women across the world.
1: Oh, no, the pleasure is mine. Thank you, guys. And I also love that the world is so small. You know, yep. we went to the same high school, but didn't know it because I was, um, <laughs> I'm not going to say several years, your senior, but <laughs> yeah, four we'll years, your senior. <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh, that's true. Awesome.
0: That's awesome. Keeping you young. So I know a lot of people are curious. They're like, who is Yele? What is she about? Can you tell us a bit more about yourself?
1: Oh, absolutely. So you, you covered like the broad topics. You know, I am a wife. I am a lawyer. I am a mom in no particular order. I am um, a Christian. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm an author. And I'm also, you know, I like to say I'm a recovering type A Um, (laughs) I like to throw that in there as well, because that is a crucial part of the journey. And I'm Zimbabwean, you know, and all of these things inform how I show up in the world. I am very passionate, as you said, about multicultural learning, about African language learning, really about celebrating our African heritage and culture. I'm really big on that. I'm really passionate about diversity, equity and inclusion. And so that kind of drives and informs, you know, the things that I spend my energy in and you know I'm raising a little one I have a two-year-old daughter two going on 15 and you know
0: (laughs) I love how you said going on 15
1: (laughs) oh yes oh yes it's like what I envision a raising a teenager is like you know Mm -hmm, um lots of different moods, sometimes not able to express themselves. They want what they want. Yeah, very, very similar to what I think a teenager is like. (laughs) I probably was like as a teenage girl at Sita House to my mom. And so that's who I am, you know, and I'm really, really excited and also really passionate about uplifting and supporting one other African creatives, specifically Zimbabwean creatives, and two, just other women in general. You know, I really believe that women are the backbone of society. And we do well when we are supporting each other and uplifting each other. And so I'm really um, excited about your platform and kudos to you guys for doing this, because I think it's necessary. And you know, you started a great thing with your podcast. So I'm excited.
0: Thank you so much. And we appreciate it. And we appreciate your support because you literally just replied to our message one day. And I was like, Yeah, do you mind coming on? And she jumped on it. And I'm like, Wow, it means a lot. Because I know your schedule's busy. There's a lot going on. And very few people actually are that willing to jump onto something, particularly while it's still fresh like this. So thank you so much. So you mentioned some things. I mean, you being a multicultural woman and just. As Pilsa creatives, I'm curious, what are some of the experiences or things that have shaped you and influenced you as a woman, particularly living in a different country from the country you're originally from?
1: Wow. There's a lot to unpack there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think, you know what? Coming from, I was born and raised in Zimbabwe. I moved to the U.S. when I was 16 after my O levels. And so, you know, my formative years were in Zimbabwe. But as much as I was, you know, in what I think were progressive environments, I think there is something about the overall patriarchal nature of our society as Zimbabweans, as Africans generally. Um, And so coming here to the U.S., where, you know, that's not necessarily the case, and, you know, women are generally empowered to speak up, and I think it was very. Eye-opening for me to see women in positions of power, Black women in positions of power, um, women speaking up, and all of that. And I think, you know, as I kind of went through college, I found my voice, and even more so once I started working. And I often found myself as the only Black woman, as the only woman in the room. I um, before I was a lawyer, I had a career in banking, and so that's obviously a very white male-dominated profession um, mm-hmm. in this country. And so, you know, those experiences certainly shaped. My understanding of what it is to be a woman in this world, but what it is to be a woman in corporate America, which is, you know, the challenges are a little bit different than if you are in, let's say, Zimbabwe. But I have a an amazing and amazing role model in my mother, who really is a corporate like guru. And so, um, when it came to like work related things, I often would seek her advice and guidance. And then I think being a woman as a as a mom as a wife in a different culture as well there is nuances there too right so in our again, very broadly and very generally speaking in our culture, like, you know, women have a certain role to play. Um, you are given designated roles as a wife, as a mom, you know, you're the one who does the cooking, the cleaning and, That's you know, you're like, to do certain things. But when you're here in the diaspora, like that isn't the case, you know, at least not in my household, because we both share duties, we both look after our daughter, you know, (laughs) we both change diapers, like, you know, and so it's been honestly quite refreshing, I think, to have that experience here in the diaspora, because I think we probably would have a different dynamic if we were living abroad. I always joke with my husband, whenever we go home, I'm like, oh, are you going to now suddenly stop changing diapers?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I say the same to my husband. I'm like, you better be going to cook. Like, it's your turn today. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, is that all going to change?
1: And he laughs at me and he thinks I'm being so ridiculous. But I'm like, you know, the pressure is real for guys, Mm -hmm. right? To be manly and the, the views that we have of what a man is in our traditional African society are certainly different from what they are in the diaspora. So all of those things have been super interesting and I'm I'm definitely still learning, you know, I don't claim to have it all figured out, but I continue to learn and grow I think as a woman as an immigrant in the US and I take bits of the culture of the two cultures that I'm immersed in and I take what applies to me what I like and the rest I kind of leave you know and so the good aspects of my Zimbabwean culture I adopt those and I I run with those the good aspects of American culture I adopt and run with those as well so that's kind of what I do
0: that's pretty solid advice I mean even for me I know the one thing when I moved from Zimbabwe and I I moved here fairly recently like less than three years ago one of the things was trying to fit in but still feeling african i don't know if that makes sense so i'm curious like for yourself how do you balance that because at the same time you don't want to completely change or be someone you're not and how do you still maintain that african pride or still being zimbabwean even around people who aren't zimbabwean and not fall for that you know you feel sometimes like you have to conform
1: Yeah, no, it's a it's a really good question. And it's a question that, you know, once I get the answer, I'm going to bottle it up and sell it for a million (laughs) dollars. I know. (laughs) Because I think it's, um, we all are trying to navigate that, you know, certainly here in the US with the way in which A lot of us now are really trying to amplify Black and African voices in the wake of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor murders last year that really put the spotlight on the experience of Black people in this country. I think we're all trying to navigate that space because the reality is corporate is not ready for us to be 100% how we are like outside of work right I think code switching which you know most people are familiar with which is you know at work you talk and present yourself one way and when you know you're not at work you present yourself in another way and I saw a meme today actually that captures this it's this guy who's like got earphones and a headphone behind a laptop he's got a button-down shirt um and it says at work and then it's got side by side it's got a picture of him in like this big hoodie next to Drake and they're dapping each other <laughs> up and it's like the weekend you know um and- so I feel like to an extent, like depending on the cultural work cultural environment you're in, that's still the case. But for me, I really am at a place in my life, you know, I'm in my thirties. I'm at a place in my life where I have just I'm tired of the act. I'm tired of trying to make people comfortable with who I am. And so, you know, like I said before, I proudly embrace, you know, aspects of American culture and aspects of, you know, African culture, Zimbabwean culture. And I've been here for more than half of my life. And so undoubtedly, you know, there are things that I do and say that are very American Mm -hmm. and also, at the same time, like, you know, I was born and raised in Zimbabwe, like, you know, and I go often, I have family there, and my husband is in Zimbabwe, and we're raising our daughter to learn Shona and Debele. So, you know, undoubtedly, I'm also proudly African, you know, my in my office at work, I have all the African kind of traditional Zim sculptures. I've got, you know, African map and there. like, it's very clear um, oh. who I am. But at the same time, I'm also proud to be an immigrant in the U.S. because I do recognize that there are so many privileges that I am able to to experience as an immigrant in this country. So I can't run away from that. And also, you know, my daughter is an American, right? So all of these things are part of my identity. And I think it's a complex topic, but I'm trying to navigate it. And I'm at a place where, like I said, for the most part, like I'm done trying to kind of conform. It's like, Mm -hmm. I want to be who I am at work and be proud of that. And if it's too much, then maybe that's not the place for me. True, and I think that's
0: inspiring because I feel like the more women there are out there that are like you who basically have told themselves, I'm not conforming, I am who I am, the more other women become comfortable being themselves in their shoes. So, I mean, you mentioned a lot about the Zimbabwean aspect and what you have in your office, the sculptures, the art. I recently went onto your website and I was like, wow, this is such an African friendly, like all the colors, everything just screams Africa. Pelisa Creatives, what inspired mm. the creation of your brand?
1: Yeah. So that's a great segue because the reason I created this brand, this company, is because I wanted to celebrate African heritage. I wanted to celebrate our languages. I wanted to celebrate and amplify the voices of Black and African people, right? I'm raising a daughter, like I said, in the U.S., and we are definitely, to your point, trying to raise her with a knowledge and appreciation of where she comes from, both as an American and both as an African, right? And so that juggle, and because we're very passionate about about, um her knowing our languages, not for fluency, but just for understanding. I searched for resources that I thought could help me in this and After not finding quality resources, you know, I kind of decided to create my own and I'd always wanted to be an author. And so I thought, okay, let me write a book. Uh, My husband kind of egged me on. um, And so I did. And I had never seen a book that had both Shauna and Debele. I mean, I think, you know, the tribal, you know, tribal history and tribal wars that we have. And so I felt like, you know what, I'm going to combine them because there are people out there who want to learn Debele, but never got the opportunity to. Um, or vice versa. Or like me, who my husband is Shauna N. And so we are raising our child to have an appreciation of both um, cultures. And so I decided to create this book. And then, you know, as that kind of went along and we were waiting for the book, I decided, well, why not create other products, accompanying products? And so I created a calendar, which features black Kids, a black family, a Zimbabwean family going through the year at various vacation spots and various like iconic landmarks. If you were to visit um, Zimbabwe, you would know them. Um, yeah. Because again, I thought, you know, that's never been done. I don't remember ever seeing a calendar with black people in it. Like, I don't ever remember seeing a calendar with, let alone Zimbabweans in it. I True. don't, you know, recall seeing a calendar that had the months of the year in English, Shana and And so that's what I did. Um, and so for me, it's always about how can I revolutionize a Simple concept. So a calendar. It's a simple concept, but how can I make that a celebration of who I am and my culture and bring that to the world? Um, and so that's really where Polisa Creatives was born. And since then, you know, it's grown. We have a, a growing community on um, on social media, and we're really trying to get these products out to the world, not just to Zimbabweans, but to the world, to people who are interested in diversity, equity and inclusion, because that's what these products really do is like, they bring diversity into your home, they bring Africa into your home, they bring Zimbabwe into your home, you know, so yeah, that's kind of the story.
0: And I mean, even for me, as someone being in the diaspora, sometimes you miss home, it really makes a difference when you have a touch of home in your home. And I mean, now you just mentioned your daughter and You know, this being a lot about Pelisa is basically about her and trying to get her to grow up in touch with her heritage and where she's from. And I know a lot of people, um, when they move to a different country, a lot of their children lose touch. So I admire what you're trying to do here with your daughter. How is parenting in the diaspora different to parenting in Zimbabwe? And how would you advise other parents to basically have their children stay in touch with their cultural roots because I feel like identity is very, very important.
1: Yeah, no, it is. Well, I think the big difference is when you're in your home country, so Zimbabwe, let's say, you don't have to worry too much about immersing them in the culture. You don't have to worry too much about exposing them to Zimbabwean things. You know, Zimbabwean food is at your disposal. Culture is evident and through various things, you know, they can travel to various places, et cetera. So that's a Mm -hmm. huge difference, obviously, the accessibility of those things. And so for us, we are very intentional about how how we show up to our daughter as Zimbabweans, right? We... Are teaching her Shona and Debele, like I said, in addition to other languages. And we started that at a very young age. She's two, almost two and a half, but been speaking to her in Shona and, Shana and for a long time. So
0: <laughs> she cool. knows
1: words. She knows, in fact, when she first started talking, she only knew animals in Shona because wow. we, we taught her, you know, we taught her those words, for example. So we are very intentional about that. Um, at the same time, we're not like, what can I say? We're not like, obsessively, you know, (laughs) trying to like drill it into her and you must learn and you must speak, you know, we try and make it fun. Um, Mm -hmm. And we also recognize that, listen, we are far away from home. We don't have, we're not surrounded by Shana Ndebele. And so we speak English to her, of course, you know, we speak in English. In fact, English is probably our primary language, but we also make an intentional effort to speak in Shana Ndebele and she understands and she is understanding. But we also try to Make sure she talks to her grandparents and her family back home, you know. That's another way to keep the culture and the ties to home alive. I also suggest, you know, if you can, visiting, obviously. Of course, after Rona is over, but like visiting. And if you can't visit, I mean, now technology allows you to really go anywhere. You can go to YouTube and look at various things. You can make that a learning thing. Food is another way. Cooking Mm -hmm. our food. You know, we definitely don't don't do it daily. She knows sadza and she loves it. And I've posted videos of her eating her (laughs) sadza, you know, so that's another way. Music is another way. And we love our Zimbabwean. We love our African music, but it's also simple things like there's simple kind of church songs that are easy to teach. And so we sing those, you know, nightly we sing those. She loves she loves that Um, you know and so those are ways that we weave it in I think really the key is like understanding that your child is going to learn at their pace and two like it has to be fun it shouldn't be like a drill exercise and you know, three, we're all kind of going through this. And that's why I also created the community online is like to encourage other people, whether they're teaching their kids Shana and Devele or other languages to just encourage them like, hey, we're in this together. And quite often I feature parents who share their tips for language learning. And I I would be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, of course, grab my book, grab my calendar to (laughs) help you um, with Shana and Devele specifically. Um, But yeah, those are some of my tips.
0: And I think those are really good because I feel like one thing that struck me when I moved here was you'd meet parents and they'd be like, oh, no, we never taught our children, Shana, because we didn't want to confuse them. And then you meet people from other countries like Asians and people from Nigeria. Their kids are speaking their home languages fluently. Some have never been there. And I'm like, no, we need to do better as Zimbabwean parents. So I admire what you're doing. And I know a lot of who we are as Zimbabweans is embedded as a result of colonization. Uh, How do you think colonization, urbanization, and most importantly for you, immigration has affected our communities and how we perceive our culture and beliefs?
1: Oh, that's another loaded one. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Wow, you're making me do some real work here. I think colonization... And these are my views, obviously, you know, my own views. But I think the effect of colonization, generally, um, on the continent of Africa and specifically Zimbabwe, has is that we are still trying to, I think, as a society, do the work of decolonizing our minds, really understanding and embracing ourselves. You know, colonization, similar to the process of the slavery uh, movement here in the in the U.S., I think in the same way, like, you know, we were told that our skin, our languages, our beliefs, all those things were terrible. They were evil. They were bad. They were less than, they were inferior, you know? And I think that work, we're still doing the work to try and decolonize our minds because I think there are some people who still believe that, you know, white is right or European hmm. things are better. Um, and so... Yeah, there's there's a lot there, um, and I'm speaking as someone who, you know, lives in the diaspora. Someone in Zimbabwe might have a different view. I think the effect of urbanization has been that you know people tend to speak English more. I mean, research has shown that um, in Zimbabwe the passage rates for Shona in the past several years have gone down. Wow, I think that's because, according to you know some teachers that I've consulted it's because people are not prioritizing Shona. They're prioritizing English and you know, Western culture and all of that. And so I think you see that affecting kids as they study the language, Shona, for example, in particular.
0: That's true. Um, And I mean, you bring up a valid point, because I remember by the time I left high school, and we went to the same high school, you guys probably had Shona classes all the way through to O-levels. I think by the time I finished... When I was like in form three, form four, they basically were like, Shana's no longer a requirement. Wow. You don't have to do it. Wow. And before, like, yes, initially they were like, okay, form one and two, you have to do Shauna. Then eventually you didn't have to do Shauna unless you really wanted to, which is sad. That's a very valid yeah, point.
1: That's sad. That's that's not right. I don't think that's right. Um. So, and then the effect of immigration, I think, is that we are now living truly in a society that is, multicultural you know mm-hmm. you have people from zimbabwe who are married to people from different african countries different european countries different asian countries you know everywhere in the world we're all kind of mixing mingling you know and and our friend groups look different and so what that also means is that um you know sometimes maybe the ability to communicate in your home language is not there because you know your friends or your group your circle doesn't look like you they don't come from the same place as you and so it might be hard um and so it's difficult to try and keep up certain things you know when you're around maybe a group especially let's say if you're in a community raising um your kids and you know you're married to someone who's from a different country whatever i can see that being a challenge on the flip side like i said before for me personally i think It's everything that's happened in the world where Black people are being killed at the hands Mm -hmm. of police in the U.S. For me, it's kind of emboldened me to be like, dude, like, I'm proud to be Black. I am proud to be African. I am proud to be Zimbabwean. I'm a contributing member of the society and I deserve to be here. My children deserve to be here, you know. And so as an immigrant, in one way, you kind of feel like... You know, you want to shy away and you're scared. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, we deserve to be here as well. We have every right. I mean, this country was built by immigrants, was built by on the backs of slaves, you know. Um, So, yeah, it's a loaded one for sure. But those are my thoughts.
0: And I think those are very profound. And I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like with Pelisa Creatives, you're doing your part in trying to decolonize our mindsets and change our cultural or even some of the beliefs we believe about raising our children and getting them familiar with their culture. So I appreciate that. So speaking of business, I know it's it's really hard trying out something new or starting out on a journey that's new because obviously this is something that's completely different to yeah. what you've been doing all along. What are some of the challenges that you've encountered just wow. in trying to... How much time?
1: How much time do we have, Karen? How much
0: time do we have? Girl, you got time. (laughs) Oh my
1: gosh! Wow. Well, first, thank you for your kind words. I appreciate that, and you know, I really do believe that we all can, like, you know, make a small difference in our um. I call it the sphere of influence that we're in. You know, that's Mm -hmm. a term that I hear a lot at the church that I go to. Shout out to Citizen Heights. And I really believe that we all have, you know, various gifts and those gifts can be used to make a small change in our community. Now, when it comes to the challenges that I have faced, there have been several, and I'll just talk about them very broadly. Um, If you want, I can, you know, go into specifics, but very broadly funding Mm
0: -hmm.
1: has been a challenge to educating people about why these products are necessary um, Mm -hmm. has been uh, a challenge. You know, uh, one of the things I say all the time um, is African children's books are not for African children. They're for all children. You know, just because a product is labeled, it's got black characters or whatever. doesn't mean it's just for black kids or, you know, it's from Zimbabwe. It doesn't mean it's just for Zimbabwe. And so I True. think that's another one. Um, and I think also... You know, just juggling everything, right? Being a mom, having a full-time job, being a wife, and trying to make this business successful. And, you know, I tell people all the time, and I laugh, and I'm like, if I was trying to be a millionaire, this wouldn't be the route to go. Books don't <laughs> books don't make you a millionaire unless you're yeah. like Oprah, you know? Mm-hmm. And so this is really something I enjoy, I love, and I'm passionate about. And, of course, it's a business. I don't want to, like, operate at a loss, but I think it's been... It's challenging sometimes when you don't see the results that you expect to see in whatever form that is because you put so much sweat equity into it. And um, what I've learned is that you know, everything takes time, building a business takes time. And there are things that I do that sometimes I feel like, oh, you know, no one is noticing or it's, it's not making a difference. And then I'll get comments from people who reach out to me in the DMs or email. And they're like, you know, thank you so much. We watch this all the time, or we use this all the time, or, you know, you're making such a huge difference or people who contact me wanting to do stories and stuff like that on what I'm doing. And I'm just like, oh, wow, you know, often strangers, you know and so i i'm reminded that the hard work is not in vain but it's tough it can be tough you know Mm -hmm. to put out a lot into the world and feel like you're not getting a lot of love back or whatever but i think all of these are normal things that you go through as a small business especially um Mm -hmm. and i think you know, what I experience in my business is nothing new for for other people. I know people who are going through, who say the same things. And so, you know, it's not a unique thing to me, but those are some of the challenges I've I've encountered.
0: That's amazing. And I mean, it's very inspiring, like particularly what you said, how obviously some days feel like, because I know there, when we first started, we were like, wow, imagine having a day where you put out an episode and no one, no one cares. Like no one likes it. No one says anything. And I feel a lot of women out there have this phobia when it comes to chasing their dreams or chasing even initiatives of things that they would want to do. But I feel like what she just said is very encouraging, very, very encouraging. Mm. But I mean, question, how do you juggle it all? Like literally, how do you balance everything?
1: (laughs) Girl, I I don't know that I do. I think what I realized, um, is that work-life balance doesn't really exist. I think Mm -hmm. instead there are moments where, you know, one aspect of life is really front and center and, you know, some other area might suffer a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. the key though, is to try and have a balance of those days where it's like not one-sided, you know, that's kind of how I view it. And it's not all work, and you're not paying attention to like your life outside of work or vice versa. So for me, it's delegating. Um, mm-hmm. I have help, you know, I have great help behind the scenes of Polisa. I have a small network of um, children's book authors, African children's book authors that I turn to and rely on for advice, guidance, for encouragement. Like I said, I know I'm not the only one going through these things because I (laughs) I have friends in this space. And so really building that community has been so helpful for me. And then I can't, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, mention my my support and my family and my friends. You know, Mm -hmm. I have the best friends who support me you know, I have so many ideas as a creative and they're always supporting, <laughs> always supporting and helping me. Uh, my family is a hundred percent behind me. My husband is a gem. Um, I always tell him that one day, you know, he's going to be a full-time employee of police. I so will have enough money to employ him properly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, like, you know, my daughter is my inspiration. My children are my inspiration. And I do that. I do everything I do with the uh, mindset that you know, I really want to make them proud, I want them to have real life examples of you know what it is like to go after your passions and your talents and to be a multifaceted human being, you know. And so that inspires me to go on, and, and I think even when it's hard, it pushes me to go on. And honestly, at the end of the day, like, I love police, is my baby, police is my second baby, mm-hmm. and so you know, the things that I do for Polisa and through Polisa, like, I I just love it so much. And I love the impact, even if it's small, the impact that we're making. And so pushes me to go on even on the hard days. And to be fair, I think we must also normalize as women, normalize rest. You know, I mentioned Mm -hmm. I'm a type A, recovering type A. And (sighs) as a type A, you tend to kind of be multitasking and doing so many things and go, go, go. I'm still, like I said, I'm in recovery mode. Okay. Um, <laughs> so that creeps in. Um, but I am learning to rest and pause and like only focus on what's crucial. And that helps me with the juggle to realize, you know what, I can't tackle everything um, mm-hmm. today or tomorrow. And some things are going to wait. And then also just realizing, yeah, maybe this is something I don't need to pursue right now, you know, whatever, whatever it True. might be. So that's my strategy.
0: So profound. And anyway, this is one thing I always ask everyone who comes here. So I stalked you a bit. I do that with everyone. Went on to Instagram and discovered, oh, she wasn't always a lawyer. So I'm curious, like your journey, how did you end up there? Like you said, you were in banking before. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, how did you (laughs) transition? And there you are now. (laughs) Oh,
1: well, this is it's going to be a boring story because, Mm -hmm. I am one of those people who I always wanted to be a lawyer. That's kind of my story. <laughs> I always did. When I was young, apparently my mom says that I said, you know, I either want to be an actress or a lawyer. And I um, met with one of her friends who was a lawyer who was like, "Well, if you're a lawyer, you can do both. You can act when you go into the courtrooms and so you have the best of both worlds." And what's funny is I don't go into courtrooms. That's not the type of law that I <laughs> that I practice oh, wow. at all. <laughs> However, I did, you know, kind of just end up doubling down and wanting to be a lawyer. And that's all I ever kind of said I wanted to do. I always had Mm -hmm. other interests. Like I knew I wanted to be an author and I I am very creative um, in like performing arts and stuff like that. And, you know, and so I always dabbled on that on the side, but law was a thing I wanted to do. And when I went to college here in the U.S., I, you know, was fresh from Zimbabwe, very ambitious, fresh from PETA house where, you know, we did everything right. Like sport, academics, theater, all of that. And I kind of did the same thing in college and I was Burnt out. It was my first experience with burnout. And I had thought I would go straight to law school, but then I was just like, there's no way I can go back to school after this. Mm -hmm. I need a break. And so I. Um, was majoring in business, took an accounting class. One of my professors was like, take an audit class and maybe pursue internal audit because you might learn that the skills are similar to being a lawyer. And so that's what I did. Ended up working, getting a job with a bank in an associate's training program. Um, Uh And instead of taking a year out, I took four because, (laughs) you know, life (laughs) life, life happens. (laughs) Um, And it was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me because I spent three years in the UK, Um, one year in North Carolina, line of working and when I went back to law school the type of law that I practice now is directly related to what I did when I was in banking and oh, wow. it has really opened the door for you know my legal career to be what it is and so what I thought was like a detour at the time really was just part of the larger plan I just didn't sure. know it you know you were laying the
0: foundation
1: yeah yeah I just didn't know it and I didn't plan on it you know that uh-huh. wasn't my intention but god had other plans, and so yeah, here we are.
0: That's amazing, and I'm I'm actually inspired. I mean, I always wanted to be a lawyer. I'm currently an in internal audit, so I'm like, okay, maybe, hey, maybe there you go. There. there you go.
1: We should talk. <laughs> you more. never know. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> we definitely should. Offline for sure. Yeah, I for I sure. know all about the internal audit life. I can tell you all about the lawyer life. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there are a lot of synergies there. You know, and yeah, I I think it's never too late, you know, to do what you want to do. Life is That's short. True. Life is short.
0: And you know? I love that you're exploring everything. And I mean, one of the things that really I, I'm like, wow, where does she get the time? Clubhouse. Tell, tell me what happens there. Like, I know you have a group on Clubhouse. I'm like, she's on Clubhouse and she has lots of followers. And I'm like, Uh, influencer much oh my god girl i receive
1: i receive i receive i do not i am not an influencer yet let's say
0: (laughs) you're well on your way trust me oh girl
1: i receive it so clubhouse you know i don't know if you've noticed this but i am a talker i love Mm -hmm. to talk and i enjoy public speaking and when I heard about Clubhouse initially, I was like, oh, no, not another app, because I'm actually quite like social media shy. You know, yeah. I really don't like <laughs> putting myself out on social media. I would but
0: never believe that. <laughs> I know.
1: I know. I, I, I only got back on Instagram. Like I started my Instagram page afresh from like hundred and something followers in August last year. That is no joke. No, I, had look not, at you. I had not been on there for four years, had not been wow. active.
0: I don't so, believe that. Like if you see your page, like I would never I know. have thought that. I know. Yeah. I know. That's the
1: story behind the story. Um, so when I found out about Clubhouse, I just thought, oh, whatever. But then my friends kept saying, listen, I really think this will be good for you with your book. And, you know, you really should check it out. And I finally did. And I was like, oh, this is the app for me because <laughs> it is just audio. You don't have to worry about being dressed up. You don't have to worry about pictures or captions or anything like that, creating yeah. content. It is just conversations. And that's my jam. So I've really enjoyed that. And a friend of mine, Christine, um, shout out to Global Kids House. She's a um, Zimbabwean children's book author as well.
0: Oh, wow. We
1: host a room every Sunday about preserving African heritage where we talk about different aspects of that. And it's been amazing because you meet so many people that you would never otherwise meet. You would never meet these people if you were on IG, you know, and have conversations with them, like in real time, you know, from all over the world. It's been so amazing and so much fun. Um, I will say say, though, you got to like with all social media, you've got to like, you know, really be strategic. And so I only go on there on weekends. (laughs) You (laughs) do not find me on Clubhouse during the week, I log out. And I only dedicate a certain amount of time. Oh, yeah, I only dedicate a certain amount of time to it. And I'm actually taking a break this week talking about rest, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, we're taking a break from hosting a room this week, because we're like, we've done it for five weeks, let's take a break. But it's an awesome platform. I think if you're a talker, if you are you know, like you guys with podcasts, I highly recommend it. And I've actually got four invites and what happens. Um, so if you want one, you know, um, I'm happy
0: to, well, I'm it. there now. So definitely, oh, okay. but I was okay. like looking, cause I haven't really used it. And then I was like, wow, she's so active. Like yeah, I should ask no. her how it works. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: I recommend it, especially for you guys. Uh-huh. Like you're in the, you're in the talking space, you're, you're doing mm-hmm. podcasts. Like It's really cool. You get to, I mean, the other day I was in a room with Damon, Damon John, the shark. Um, Another time I was in a room with music soul child, the artist, like you really connect with people from everywhere and not connect. Like he and I were having a one-on-one conversation. No, but like, You're in a room listening to these people and you can get onto the stage, you know, and ask questions or whatever. Um, Of course, you know, I posted a a while ago about Clubhouse and it's, um, you know, there's some cons as well because there's a lot of people on there you know, selling you a dream and you gotta be careful. Um, there's a lot of quote unquote millionaires on Clubhouse. <laughs> so <laughs> you gotta right. be you gotta be careful. And there's also a lot of like shady stuff happening on there. Like there's some rooms I'm just like, what the heck is yeah. happening here? What <laughs> did I step into and I quickly exit? So yeah, but it's a it's a fun platform. If you like talking, if you like and people say it's like talking on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Which is um, easier for
0: a lot of people who don't like texting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And also like just showing up, you don't have to yeah. be dressed up. You can multitask as well. That's the thing. You can be in listen only mode, you know? And so I highly recommend Clubhouse for those who are talkers and looking
0: to connect um, as well. So Wow. Yeah. Those are great tips. So I guess I have one last question for sure. you. So for someone who's trying to basically embark on a similar journey, whether it's start to publish a book or... Yeah start their side hustle, chasing their passion. What kind of advice would you give to that person, particularly during their first steps?
1: Mm. Well, this is probably going to disappoint um, because it's so simple. <laughs> yeah. But my advice is just start. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just start. I think so often we are hung up on, you know, trying to have everything be perfect before we, kind of launch or show up, you know, in the world. Um, And the reality is you just got to start. Once you start, the momentum kind of builds from there. You know what I mean? If you wait, you could wait for decades sitting on something. I know people all the time who are like, oh, I've been wanting to write a book. And oh, my gosh, you've inspired me because you've done it. I'm like, yeah, just start. Just start, Mm -hmm. you know, start by writing down your idea, then type it up, you know, and then like just take continue to take positive action. Um, Even if it's in perfect action, but to start, that is my biggest tip. Um, And I'm, I'm saying this as I'm preaching to myself, because for a long time, I wanted everything to line up perfectly and just be all in sync, you know. And even now, like with Polisa, like, I just... As long as I'm taking forward action and positive action, I try not to overthink it, you know, especially mm-hmm. with like social media, with Instagram, you know, you've got to be active on there. And sometimes, like you said, you get the engagement is low, whatever, but it's like, you just keep moving. You keep moving. You keep That's going. True. You got to just keep going and starting because the biggest regret, I don't ever want to have the regret that I didn't leave everything on the table. I want to have left everything on the table. I want to have explored everything that I feel in my heart I need to do. That's that's my goal. And so in order to do that, I've just got to start. you know, and for too long, I've, you know had self-doubt and mm-hmm. all of these things. And so I really encourage you if you want to write a book, if you want to go back to school for something, if you want to start a business, Just start, take the first step and you're going to be on your way and, you know, things will fall into place. You'll fail, you'll, you'll fumble, you'll, you'll stumble, you know, but that's part of the journey. You know, you only get failures and lessons learned by having done it.
0: That's so true. And I mean, your journey itself is inspiring. Look at how much growth you've experienced just in a, that's even been a year, has it? A couple of months. (laughs) So, I mean, it's testament to the fact but that said, yeah, we are so grateful for you taking out time coming on to the Over, sharing some nuggets, some wisdom and your journey. I really, really believe that someone out there is very inspired by what you've shared today. Oh, thank you so much,
1: Karen. I really enjoyed this and I am so thankful you guys, you know, invited me on. What a pleasure. I can't wait to see you guys grow. Um, so I can be like, I was one of the first few guests. Yes. <laughs> you guys are all big and, you know. Uh, and co-influencers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Let's put it out there. Why not? Uh,
0: yeah. I love it. Well, everyone, you can find Yeve on Pilisa Creatives on Instagram. Clubhouse. Yes. Find her room. Follow her there. Check out her website. Definitely buy her book. And thank you so much for joining us here on The Ovum.